the Discuss Metal Podcast with Jennifer Sosha of The Roach Coach. Hosted by Dan Terry. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Discuss Metal Podcast. Uh, tonight, I am sitting down with Jennifer Sosha, the Indigo Angel herself from the Roach Coach Podcast. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm I'm I'm, I'm getting by one day at a time. <laughs> Good. Same. Same. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the one of the reasons I wanted to do this uh, do this episode tonight was because. You know, we've had, obviously, we've had Lauren and we've had Matt on discography discussion several times. As a matter of fact, Matt Matt is currently, I believe, listening to a whole bunch of, like, KMFDM albums, like, to do an episode in December because they have, like, 50 of them. Awesome. Um, so, and it was one of those, uh, I actually had a listener reach out to me uh, recently and he was like, he's like, yeah, you guys always have Lauren and Matt on. Do you guys just, like, not like Jenny? And I was like... <laughs> Oh, that's hard. Well, at first I was like, I was like, no, that that's obviously not it. But uh, I, I can understand why it might seem that way. So uh, we we need to uh, we need to correct that. And uh, and I thought this format would work out really well because you know me being a pretty big fan of the Roach Coach podcast, um, you know, with you guys talking about new metal and um, you know, and you guys are also always talking about your um, improv uh, shows that you guys do. Um, and I always found all that stuff really fascinating. So I wanted to kind of get to, uh, to the bottom of that. And, uh, so I'm just going to start off with some like really generic questions. Like, um, where did you grow up? Um, what, uh, what got you into, uh, into music or more specifically heavy music? Uh, so I grew up in Westland, Michigan, which is a suburb about 30 minutes, uh, West of Detroit. Um, so yeah, it's pretty much like Westland is literally named after a mall. Okay. Um, and it's just like the most white bread, nothing city in the world. It's just extremely suburban. Um, so just like put in all like the white suburban growing up thing, like working class. That was like me growing up. Um, maybe along with that came uh, my dad and my uncles were all into like rock music. So when I was a kid, um, my dad was very, very into Rush. So Rush was one of the first bands that I heard a whole lot of. Um, and my uncle, who was my godfather, was into some things that were heavier for them. Like he was into Iron Maiden. So I heard a lot of that. Um, also like a lot of the Beatles and things like that. Um, my dad, yeah, my dad was really into music and I'm very close with my dad. So that's how I got into music in general. The first time I started to hear of heavier stuff was from my uncle, um, that came in, I mean, with Iron Maiden and then some like very cheesy stuff, like some Tesla and, and all of that, like poison. He loves like hair metal, but he also loves like motorhead and, and, and things like that. So, um, when I was a kid, I heard a lot of that from them. Um, from there, I guess, like I just sort of, I liked a pretty wide variety of music, but, um, I remember when I was a kid, when I was around 10 or 11, uh, was when I started being able to like buy my own CDs. I got a CD player and I was like, Oh, Oh yeah. So I was like ready to go. Um, and so one of the, the first time I bought CDs, one of the first times I got offspring smash, and also Mariah Carey music box, which pretty much like that still could just sum up 
my musical taste. So I got into some more of like punk music or I guess pop punk, depending on how you look at it. So I got into all that kind of stuff Um, that sort of grew and changed over the years. I started getting into more metal, I guess, probably late high school, early college. And then from there, it just sort of evolved into all sorts of weird stuff. That's cool. There's a, uh, there's, there's kind of a funny disconnect. um, Cause I know like whenever I was a teenager listening to, listening to kind of harder music, was that like what your, was that what your friends were into at all? Or was it just kind of this weird thing that you had going on? Cause I remember when I was younger, I feel like I was the only one listening to it and I had to like justify it to everybody else around me. Um, I think there was a bit of that for me, like, especially when I was getting into like, um, new metal specifically, that was like a little bit different than what a lot of my friends were into. Um, I went through a phase where I was, it was like the full, like nineties jinkos, like, like, I don't know, skateboarding shirts, even though I couldn't skateboard at all. I desperately wanted to be able to skateboard, but I, I was not somebody who could do that. Um, and a lot of my friends were into more, like my best friend was a huge boy band fan. Like she was a Backstreet Boys fan through and through. Yeah. I went to see the Backstreet Boys with her and like, I was so stupid. Like, uh, I want to listen to Lit Biscuit or whatever, <laughs> like acting like I was too cool for it. But Honestly, impressive live show, the Backstreet Boys. I don't know about now, but back in uh, the late 90s, they were. They put on a good show. Um, my wife is a massive Backstreet Boys fan. Um, and uh, so I have I haven't ever been to a show um, because I'm self-proclaimed too cool, I guess. Like, I, I would never like she would never even ask me to go to a show like that um, just because she wouldn't want to hear me just complain about it. But we watched something. It was on it was on uh, cable generic cable i don't remember what channel or any of that stuff but there was a whole back it was like a backstreet boys and new kids on the block uh like joint concert like backstreet boys would come out and play like two songs and new kids would come out and play um and it was very it was very entertaining (laughs) yeah i'm I'm telling you it was it was very entertaining but yeah like when i was so that that would have been like when i was maybe from like 12 to like 14 or 15 ish um, and then when I got into high school, I started hanging out with some of, I guess, like the, the weird kids or whatever. Sure. And they started introducing me to a lot of indie music, a lot of punk and uh, about half of them were super Christian. So like a lot of Christian ska. <laughs> so I can, like, I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> so then from there, I, I started going to like see concerts and shows in the area and then meeting other people who maybe were a little bit more of my vibe and through them getting introduced to like heavier music, what I now would consider to be heavier music. Um, so yeah, it was like a little bit half and half. Now, whenever you're, uh, you know, whenever you're hanging out with these, uh, Christian punks, are you still listening to, uh, Limp Bizkit when they're not around or, did you grow, um, did you grow out of that too? Cause I know I did. I, I like, after I was done with new metal, I was like, okay, it's gone. It's gone forever. I'm not going to touch it again. Yes. I became adamantly and vehemently too cool for new metal. Probably. I want to say right, right after significant other dropped. That was like, I was into significant other for that summer 
maybe come that fall, I was like, I was too cool for it. Um, and that pretty much like left and my, how into new metal I was that's so, um, doing the Roach Coach podcast, uh, one thing that I learned, and we've been doing it for a very long time, I thought that I was really into new metal when I was younger, and it turns out that I wasn't. <laughs> like, I liked some new metal. Um, but getting into a lot of the bands that were popular, talking through them, like, and realizing, like, the years that these were out and how accessible they were to me, like, I think I was into a pretty like the most like baseline pop level of new metal that you could be into. So when we hear from people who were deep into it, I sort of just sit back and listen because I'm like, you definitely know more about this from being there firsthand than I do. Now my knowledge of new metal is very broad, but sure. Yeah. Well, we're going to circle back around to that a little bit, uh, a little bit later too. Um, specifically talking about how like, you know, commentate commentating on something that you're still learning through. Yes. You know? All right. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah. we'll we'll circle back to that in a little bit. But the uh don't let me forget. But the uh <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely I definitely could see that. So like when you when you started getting into heavier music, what was it about, I guess, aggressive music? Because I only I only have my own experience to go off of with this. And I, I've always wondered, and this is something that people have asked me, is like, why why does it have to be aggressive? Why does it have to be louder? Because I would assume that, you know, once you got older, you got too cool for new metal, then it started just becoming, let me see how, how like, how far this goes, like, how, how extreme this goes. Definitely, yeah. Well, I think this might be a weird... This might, this might be a little deeper than you're looking for, but I always had a really weird relationship to femininity. Like I was very close with my dad. I was very close to my brothers. Most of my friends tended to be boys. I was always into, uh, like in quotes here, but like boy things. Um, and I think like I was really angry and I was really angsty and there were like all these things about the world that like made me mad and it just like resonated with me more. And I think that the way that I moved through the world was very aggressive. Like of my friends that were girls, I was always the friend that would like yell at the boyfriend or like punch a dude or push a dude sure, down right. or like whatever. So <laughs> that kind of like maybe like being macho or being aggressive was like kind of how I moved through the world and like what resonated with me more. Um, and at a certain point to me, I think there's something that's just more fun about listening to a band that is like loud and aggressive and doing all sorts of weird shit. Like I think of Macabre as a band that I love and they are so weird and it is very aggressive, but it's also just like bizarro. And like, to me, that's, that's so much more fun and interesting to listen to something that's like a little bit cleaner or, you know, like less rough around the edges. So I think there is something about it that I was just like angry anyway. Um, and then over time, especially when I'm listening to, I guess, death metal or things that would be considered more extreme metal, some of it is just so ridiculous 
and performative and it's almost silly and it's like uh, like heaviness or evilness or whatever it's going for um that to me it's just like it makes me feel very joyful it's it's fun and also i think it's like a lot of it is you have to be very technically proficient to perform it well and that's really impressive so um yeah and i just i think i feel most comfortable around like i don't know that aggressiveness it just like I'm just like, oh, yes. I surrounded myself with this for so many years that it just feels natural to me. Was it ever a concern that it might paint people's perceptions of you, like people around you? Um, Just in in the sense that, like, me being a guy, like, listening to death metal, everybody's like, yep, that's what dudes do. But, like, I I would consider you to be kind of, not saying you're the only female metal fan in the whole world, but, like... um, (laughs) You know, but do you feel like as being being female and it being kind of a boys club, did you do you think that ever painted people's perceptions of you as a person or made people assume things about you that that really weren't? Well, yeah, for sure. Um, I think a big thing and even like to be totally honest before coming on here, I had this feeling of like, I have to prove that I'm into this. Sure. Because what I got more often than not was like gatekeeping. And I don't even think people meant to do it necessarily. Well, some people for sure did, but not everybody did, but it was just like, what are you doing here? Where's your boyfriend? Who introduced you to this? Do you really like this? Like prove that you really like it or, um, yeah, I mean, that was like the most that I got. I don't know necessarily if I've ever thought about like how that might cause somebody to perceive me if it was just like, Oh, like this girl, this woman is into metal. She must be X or Y. Like, I guess I just never really cared about that too much. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure it was like weird for some people to be like, Oh, she must be scary or weird or something. But I just never really gave too much of a fuck about that. Like my experience in it was more, people trying to figure out like what, like, how did you wind up here? How, like, how are you connecting with this? What are you doing here? Right. Um, and that was only a fraction of the time. Like I, I'm, I don't want to make it sound like every single show I went to every single room I entered was that, but there was a fair amount of it. And I certainly don't get that impression from like you asking me to talk or anytime somebody asks me to talk about music now, but it's just like so ingrained that it's still there. You know what I mean? Absolutely. No. And I, I get it totally. I like, I think, and, and it's not that I'm saying, Oh, you should definitely care what people think about like, obviously, like we're adults now, like that's so not even a factor at this point. Um, but I just remember, you know, being a teenager and cause even I ran into a little bit, probably not as much being, being a guy, but like I, um, uh, I, I'm one of probably the most le- least metal person in the entire world, like in my personal life, you know, as far as like, I don't, I'm not really like super anti-establishment. Um, I go to church, I, you know, and like all of this stuff was like, um, it, but, but I still like this loud, aggressive music or whatever. And so even I've run into that a little bit. So I was, um, uh, I was thinking like, Oh, you know, I, I feel like you would have a different perspective on it for sure. Which, you know, I, I don't even know how, how, like, how do you even respond to that when somebody is just like, you know, where's your boyfriend? Or how do you, pr- how do you prove that you like anything? Um, I mean, for a long time, my response was that was just to arm myself to the teeth with knowledge 
and know a couple of key things that were deep enough knowledge that I could eviscerate the dude. And then I would just be super, super mean and like be prepared to fight. But after a while, um, I mean, after a while, I would just say like, what makes you ask that? Or just be more inquisitive about it as opposed to like combative, even though it does, it did piss me off and it still does occasionally. I think that like from, if I'm some dude who's used to being around all dudes and I'm in a space that's all dudes, there's a pretty good chance that I haven't considered what the experience (laughs) of being a woman in that space might be. Right. Um, So, you know, I can, I can understand that. I do think it's, really great when that doesn't happen. But I mean, sometimes people are just being assholes too, or like, I mean, a big part of the time, uh, especially that I, I used to go to shows constantly. That was my whole hobby. You mentioned improv before, Yeah. before I started doing any sort of comedy, anything that's all I ever did was go to shows. And that was also like running the same time that, um, the pickup artist was on VH1. Oh man. So like negging became like a mainstream dude thing. And I Uh, definitely noticed like an uptick in that sort of like thing. (laughs) So I think some of it was that too. That was going to be my next question is like how much, how much on how much unsolicited attention, you know, do you get just for being there and being in that environment? Um, Cause I mean, I, I went to a show last summer and there was like three girls there and um they couldn't like walk around and like enjoy the show or anything without people just want like basically just lining up to talk to them like i thought we were all there to see a band but apparently that that's not why everybody was there <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i know lots and lots and lots of women who are very into metal um so it's I don't think it's maybe as like rare as some people might might think it is, but I can understand uh I, I can understand people wanting to be left alone very much. But I also understand how if you are into something that maybe fewer women are have historically been into and you see a woman there uh and you're attracted to the woman how it might be very exciting like i get that like shared shared interests the commonalities being able to relate it's that's a really wonderful way uh to connect with somebody i mean one of the one of the things that i connected with my husband on so much was that we shared a lot of similar music taste so like that was one of the ways that we connected um so i get that but it is like i mean it's been a long time since I've felt this way at a show, but I, it can be annoying, but I also feel like maybe I was just kind of used to it. Um, and again, like of my group of friends, I was very much the not nice one. So like, I don't, I did not get approached as much as many of my other friends. Um, and I think part of it is my energy is not, <laughs> Like super welcoming, I don't think. Not super, super bubbly. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Like I'm not wooing or sm- or smiling even necessarily, and it's not because I'm mad. It's just I don't know. If some like raggedy dude came around, I was just always ready to just like go 
go. So ma- ready yeah. to throw down. Like you better just be asking me for a lighter. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's true. Um, but I mean, also a lot of people that I'm friends with, a lot of people that I'm still friends with, I met just at shows and a lot of them are men. So it wasn't like any person who I interacted with. It was just like, go away. But you, you can sense a vibe. Sure. I think. I, I do think sometimes, um, as a dude, it is harder to sense a vibe, <laughs> you know, on, on, on certain things. Um, and I think that that's where a lot of the, uh, a lot of that cluelessness comes from. I think when people, cause like I'm, I'm Midwest nice. So like, I can't imagine just like walking up to somebody and saying anything if I don't already know them. Like it's, it's very strange. Like even doing interviews, I'm still, I always still get a little bit nervous. Like as soon as I call and somebody pops up on my screen and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's up? So I usually like just hide behind a beer or something. But, uh, <laughs> so, you know, when, when talking about, you know, got, you got into new metal, you got out of new metal, you got into heavier music for a while. You're, you know, too cool for school, uh, so to speak, as far as older styles music, when, when does that, when did that break? When did that, um, when did that break down where it was like, I just, uh, I'm just going to listen to whatever I feel like listening to right now, or I'm going to enjoy or talk about um, just anything and not really worry about how cool it makes me. Um, I think when I, when I remember first starting to feel that way, it was probably maybe early twenties, maybe like 20, 21, 22. Um, I think that was when, there was a whole weird thing that happened, I think, when I was coming up with music, which was the internet. Because when I was younger, if you had knowledge of music or if you listened to a lot of things, it was because you had a physical copy of it. When the internet came along, um, you were able to not only download whatever you wanted, but also look up anything you wanted. So instead of having like zines or books or magazines or whatever to read, people were able to like dig real deep and come with all this knowledge of music. And I knew a lot of people who were doing that and would use it to like make other people feel bad or be like, I can't believe you didn't know that. Like I've known about this since blah, blah, blah. Right. I'm like, no, you were very into the Spice Girls at the time that you are claiming <laughs> that you were like listening to these black flag LPs. And I know that. Um, <laughs> and so I think seeing that and like starting to get more comfortable with myself and I don't know. There were, I I also at that time when I was 20, was working at a record store and there were uh, several people that I met working there who were older, who I thought were so cool, who did not give a single fuck what anybody thought about anything they listened to. And I remember one time we had like these boxes of albums that we would just put on hold for ourselves that we could buy eventually. And one of the older people that I worked with who I felt like had been around to see everything, they were probably 40 years old. Like (laughs) they were not old, but I was like this elder who's seen everything (laughs) was like, I think it's really cool that you listen to a lot of different stuff and don't really care what anybody thinks. And I was like, first of all, I can't believe they perceive me that way. Right. And secondly, like that's awesome. And that made me feel really good. And it just like, I don't know, it almost felt like a release. Like, oh, yeah, I don't have to worry about it. I can just like whatever I like. And I still think it took like a few years after that. But I think the more I settled into who I was and letting go of the idea of a guilty pleasure, 
that's when I was even able to like return to new metal a bit because it no longer was like some hilarious secret from my past that like I was super into $3 bill y'all, but it was just like, yeah, I really liked this. And who like, what does being cool even fucking mean? You know? Right. Well, and to change gears a little bit here, um, you know, you, you talked about, you know, doing improv and doing comedy. Um, you know, how, how does one get into uh, comedy or, or improv? Uh, so super broad I, question. Yeah. So, Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, there are a thousand ways you could get into it, but I'll speak for myself. Um, I, I was in a food club it was like a club of people who went around and ate different kinds of food in the Metro Detroit area. That sounds amazing. And <laughs> it was very sweet. And when it is safe to do so, I'd love to return to that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, there was somebody in there who did stand up comedy and took improv comedy classes and they suggested that I should take a class. Um, and I was like, no, first of all, <laughs> improv is so fucking dumb. It sounds like a nightmare. I will never do it. Yeah. I told him it was clown shoes bullshit. That was the word. Those were the words that I used. And he was like, well, I think you should just try it. Um, and I really liked to write at that time, but I definitely didn't think of myself as anybody who would do performance. Um, but I decided to take a class and um, I did. I was so hesitant to go in. I thought it was all the dumbest shit in the entire world. I was like, we're clapping at each other. and We're like doing all this dumb stuff. But that also was a big part of kind of what got me out of my own ass was that like, I made fun of it so much and I just had to like, let go of being cool. And I was 25 when I started doing that. Um, and so I started taking classes and it was really fun. And there were some pieces of it that came kind of naturally to me. Um, and other pieces of it that I had to work very hard at, but, um, it was different for me because I was so used to going to shows or listening to music. I'm not a musician. Um, and so being a part of the performance or creating something in that way was very special and like very vulnerable and fun. Um, so yeah, that's how I got into it. It was, I was so hesitant. I was such an asshole and everybody was like, oh, this girl has a tattoo. Cause like I, I have a big <laughs> tattoo on my arm. It's the dorkiest tattoo. It's books. But they were just like, this girl has a tattoo and she listens to heavy music. And I was She's like, going to yeah. kill us all. Yeah. I was like, everybody here likes shit music. And I will tell you far and wide. I believe improvisers have shitty taste in music. Um, <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Yes. Uh, not, not exclusively true. And I'm sure they say the same thing about my taste, but, um, yeah, it really kind of made me like, I don't know. It made me open up in ways that I didn't know that I wanted to, like, I made me a lot less like, um, like, before I started doing improv, if anybody wanted to hug me, I'd make a whole big like thing. Well, like, don't fucking touch me, whatever. Right. And then like I started hugging my friends and they were like, what is happening to you? And I was just like, improv, this like comedy <laughs> cult got me. <laughs> but I think it was ultimately a win. Uh, yeah. Now, is that how you met, uh, ended up meeting Lauren and Matt? Yep. Um, Matt had been improvising for a long time when I started. He was 
he may have been one of my teachers. Um, and I, he, he did this, um, this one man show called Matt Noss and the sing along singers. And he would just make up songs on the spot and, um, musical improv gave me like this, this huge, like <laughs> flaming anxiety feeling. So I'd like have to watch from the back, but I was just like, this is really impressive. It's a really funny guy. Um, and yeah, that's how I met Lauren too. Um, and he and I bonded immediately because we both liked some of the same kind of music. Right. Um, and so I think when you meet somebody that does improv that you think is funny and then also they like the same kind of music you do, it's just like an instantaneous friendship. Um, so yeah, that's how I met both of them. So, and then, you know, famously there's the story of how Roach Coach got started, which I mean, it, it, my, my summer is, I'm going to just try to summarize it. Cause I know I, we've told that story on, on this podcast as, as well as on the early episodes of Roach Coach, but you guys basically decided to go to a Limp Biscuit concert and you ended up, um, injuring yourself. <laughs> yes. I actually forgot about that somehow until like, <laughs> yeah. So we went to see Limp Biscuit and I got a uh, real drunk and I was wearing boots that had a heel and uh, the heel caught on a construction sign and I fell face first into a concrete curb and knocked out my front tooth uh, right in front of John Otto. <laughs> As luck would have it. And uh, yeah, I smashed my face and then we just went out and kept, I just kept going. So you're tougher was, than I am. I'd have been like, Oh my God, I have to go home. I have to, you know, that's what I should have done. But I was like, whatever. I'm fucking fine. Cause I was, I don't know. Maybe I didn't completely shed my, my dumb. I'm like tough. I'm so, I'm so <laughs> tough. I'm missing yeah. a tooth, but it doesn't matter because, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I want to go have a beer at some shitty bar. I don't know. But, um, now I would go home then it was many many years ago um but yes yes show was good the show was good and and through that you guys decided i guess um that you're going to start a podcast and what i think is unique about it is that you were a podcast with a goal like with a mission statement like with the with the new metal canon and and that you're i guess the the ultimate goal being to cover all of new metal as long as you guys are willing to do it um you know how did you guys just sit down and like draft rules or was it like a um i mean it seems it seems like it was a pretty collaborative setup and i only say that because like my podcast started because my buddy joe kept bothering me wanting me to do something we never made a plan for it or anything. We just kind of started recording stuff and putting it out. So what what was your guys' process like for number one, establishing it to be a podcast and for it to have like a like a set of guidelines to go by? You know, as I remember it, um a lot of it I think happened sort of organically. Um like it was Lauren's idea uh, that he and I would do this, that we would try to establish a new metal canon. Um Matt was really just helping us out to get us started initially yeah. for the first couple. And then it turned into four years, but um, we had just talked about, we were going to listen to these albums. We're going to discuss them and then we'll say whether or not they go into the new metal canon. Um, a lot of it, 
I'm, we didn't really sit down and say, Hey, it's, it's specifically going to be this. It's specifically going to be that. Um, a lot of it kind of just evolved organically over the years. Um, there were a lot of things that we didn't talk about that we could have when it started, like how many times we were going to listen to the records and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I was listening to them uh, in the same thing that I was saying before, like you have to prove that you like it. You have to prove yourself for me. I'm like, I have to prove that I know so much. So I was going way too deep and like hating these records. Cause it was all I listened to for an entire week right. over and over. And Lauren was listening to him like, two or three times. <laughs> so then it became, okay, we'll listen to them three times. Um, and it just sort of evolved because it was, it was basically like just a loose form of a structure. And then we just sort of worked off of each other and felt what worked and built it from there. Um, yeah. So that was really it. It wasn't like a, we didn't sit down and mandate very specific things or anything like that. That's cool. That's not, a, that's not what I was expecting to hear. Cause it just, it seems so structured now. But I've been listening to pro I've been listening for probably three out of the four years. And so I'm so used to the way things are now. Like I'm at the point now where I'm not like binging a bunch of episodes. It's just whatever comes out this week, you know? And so it's, it's so, di it's so funny how different it is now versus what it was back when it, cause I, cause I, I remember now, like it's weird imagining a time where Matt wasn't engaged. Um, yeah. but yeah, if you go back and listen to those first couple of episodes, Lauren starts to hi, welcome to Roach Coach. I'm Lauren. This is Jenny. You know, like, and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of the things like when did the album come out? Who's on, like, who's in the band? All of that type of stuff was just because I was doing a ton of research beforehand and really diving in. And I guess, like, to me, in our conversations, just like knowing who Lauren and I were as friends, like, he's a lot more of a person who has his own very specific formed, passionate opinion about this music, what it means, the way he talks about it. It's just, it's a different experience that I have with music. And I'm a lot more of just like, do I like it or not? Okay. And then I will get all of this information um, about the band specifically. So it just sort of fell into place that way, just based on who we are as people and the way that we interact with the material. Whenever you first started talking about these records, you know, because I mean, from, from before that you were a music appreciator and I'm sure you gave your plenty of opinions to people, whether they asked oh, sure. for, whether they asked for them or, or not, um, prior to doing a podcast, but what, what is the feeling like, or what is, um, is there any fear involved or, or nervousness when you are, you know, putting your opinion out there for people to see? And I point to, and I say scary only because you know, the very first episode in that corn record and um, the, the, the amount of people that lost their shit over the fact that you didn't <laughs> like it, or it's not even necessarily that you didn't like it. It was just that you didn't feel like it was canon worthy and that you, that you did have a lot of problems with it. I mean, was that ever intimidating? Do you, did you ever feel a need to kind of be nice just to appeal to the people that are listening? Um, not to appeal to the people that are listening and specifically not for that one, because to be totally honest, I didn't think anybody was going to listen to the podcast at all. I was like, this is just going to be us two friends doing a thing. Like some of our friends will listen. Cool. Um, so that was not even a little bit of a consideration for me going into it. Um, over time, I think I have 
kind of softened a bit. Um, or like maybe I think I think about it differently because we do hear from people all the time who really love this music in a very specific way that maybe I don't. So, um, to me, when I'm listening to it, I try to listen to it, uh, thinking of like what, you know, assuming the best going in, that does not always happen. Um, but yeah, like with the methods of mayhem, there, there's no, there's no best, yeah. there's no positive side of that coin. <laughs> no, but I, I, yeah, that, that was a tough one. Um, but I mean, I don't know at this point, I don't worry about it too much. I try not to be a dick just for the sake of being a dick. And that works sometimes and not all times, but um, no, I'm not worried about if it like pisses somebody off that I think what I think, because somebody is always going to be pissed off at what I think or have an opinion about it. Um, I had a little bit of hesitation wondering if it was going to be one of those things where the, like this broad doesn't like this or whatever. There hasn't been much of that to my face. <laughs> so, um, that I think was the only thing that was sort of a bit of a concern that we all shared. Um, but I think the worst thing that ever happened was like, someone called me a hole, <laughs> which was, actually they didn't, they didn't funny. call you one. They called Lauren one because they thought that you were Lauren and oh, they didn't know who right. Lauren. I read, I read through those a long time ago. Um, because it was like really late at night and I was like, I'm going to read reviews for podcasts that I like. And yeah, that was one. And I was like, that's, this isn't even, this isn't even correct. So, I mean, somebody, yeah. somebody was definitely drunk when they were typing it, but um, <laughs> yeah. there it is forever for everybody to see. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. And that's, that's something that, that I still struggle with um, on discography discussion is trying to be truthful, but also not trying to be unnecessarily harsh because for some reason, like, it was a lot easier whenever we first started and I was like, Metallica sucks. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, it was easy for me to say that because 10 people were listening, you know, and it didn't matter, you know, uh, yeah. in the grand scheme of things. But as, as the show gains popularity, I mean, you guys have, you guys have gone, you know, hundreds of times bigger than you, than, than those first episodes, you know, as far as, um, interacting with people. I always, I always joke with Lauren on messenger. I was like, I'm so jealous of your guys's interaction. Cause like we get listeners, but like we only hear from like 1% of them. Whereas you guys have kind of crafted it into kind of a community. Yeah. Well, I think a big thing about a lot, I mean, it's a little different now. We've been doing a lot of newer bands, but a lot of what we're talking about is really nostalgic for people and it remind and we share experiences of when we were listening to this originally or like where we heard it because we're such good friends we do talk about our lives and joke around and i think that that's where people talking to us or or recalling their memories of when they listened to this music or when they first heard it comes up and i think that more than anything informs if, if my approach to this has changed, it's that it's like listening through it through the lens of this is someone's nostalgia. Like when I listen to music that I'm like, Oh geez, like, uh, I don't know when this will come out or when our episode will come out, but we recently listened to, um, colds, like a cold record and listening to it. I'm like, Oh Jesus. But at the same time, when I'm hearing it, I'm, I can see how it's, so how it would be so important and connect with so many people. So keeping that in mind, when you listen to it, it's very different than when we started and I'm listening to the first corn record and I'm like, 
fuck this record. I'm never listening to it again. You know, I think if we revisited it, our take might be different yeah. um, based on how things have evolved over the years. Have you, have you considered that revisiting uh, records? Like maybe ones that you guys did three or four years ago? Um, it's something that we've like very lightly talked about specifically talking about the first corn record. Like, I wonder what it would be like to go back and listen to that now. Um, but nothing, nothing in any seriousness because I, we've learned there's just so much of it. We we're not even close to the end of the long list and it just keeps growing. So, yeah. Yeah, the long list is uh is terrifying. I have an Excel spreadsheet that's like 30 pages long now, and it's like I'm never going to get to this. I'm going to retire or die before I, you yeah. know <laughs> I get I get to the end of this list. Um and is that is that intimidating at all? Um as far as I, I guess that this this might even be too personal of a question, but I guess like how do you how do you deal with with the inevitable burnout that comes with doing something like this that's not your job? And it's not, um, but it's still structured in such a way to where it's not necessarily that you have to meet performance goals, but you have to have listened to a certain thing a certain amount of times and actually be able to come up with something to say about it whenever it's done. Um, how do you how do you deal with the with the burnout that comes with that? I mean, after four years, there there has to be oh. at least some of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it comes in waves too. Like and all three of us have had massive shifts in our life since we started. Like Lauren and Matt both became parents and I got married. And so like our obligations and our lives have completely changed too. So it's like, how do you keep doing that every week, have an episode every week and, you know, like also nurture and grow your life. Um, I think to be honest, like learning how to manage that burnout for me is still something I'm figuring out. Like there have been times that I was just like, I cannot fucking do it this week. Um, Sometimes we'll record two at a time and then we'll have a couple weeks off. Um, Sometimes we'll build in breaks. Sometimes I just have to suck it up. And like, there are some episodes that in retrospect, I feel bad because I was so burnt out and I had basically nothing and I just did it anyway. And I'm sure it wasn't very fun to listen to. So um, I think we're kind of finding that rhythm together too. Like we, since the, um, the, all the pandemic stuff has started, we've been doing one episode a week and recording once a week. And that's helped a lot because um our episodes, if anybody listens to our podcast, are so long. They're too long, but it's just they're always going to be so long. It's just the thing of it now. But um, doing that, I think, helps just one a week. Um, for some reason, it feels like less of a less of a weight when you get when you're doing two at a time and the podcasts are that long. It can feel just like you're cranking them out. Yeah. 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 So. I think it's just sort of you have to learn yourself and find the tricks that work for you and 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 rest where you need it and be like us being able to be honest with each other about where we are with something is also important and took us a while to get to because no one wanted to let any of the other people down or sure or seem like they weren't as into it as anybody else but um yeah I think it's I don't know that's not like a very uh 
I don't know. I don't have a great easy solution for that burnout feeling, but it's very real. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work on top of having a life and needing to make money to survive. Sure. Uh, what has been what has been a really big struggle as far as as far as and it's very much related to the last question, but um, what has been your biggest struggle as far as um, as far as doing the show and um, like has, has there ever been a moment where you were worried that it wasn't going to continue or we messed something up or was there was there ever a moment that you were like struggling or, or worried about like the future of of what the show was going to be or if it was going to keep going um i mean each time i think each time one of us has a big shift in life i mean also like about halfway through us doing the show lauren moved far away so yeah um I think early on when those big life changes would happen for any of us, um, it, I think I would worry a little bit, like, are we going to be able to keep doing this? Is this still going to be a priority for us? Um, but, but we adjusted each time. Um, so I think like over time that became less of a worry. There have been some times that I'm like, okay, how, how long do we keep doing this? Like how, because we have kept the same structure, um, there are a couple times like the direction of the show where we'll kind of go off in like some weirdo land, like doing like a producer spotlight or something like that. And, you know, we try to like keep it fresh for ourselves a little bit too. Every so often, if we start to get a little burnt out, we'll do like a theme something or other. And that's usually pretty fun. Um, but there, there hasn't really been a time that I was necessarily like concerned about the direction of the show. But I think that's because of how I think of the show. Like, to me, it is still a thing that I do with my friends that, in my brain, a handful of people listen to. <laughs> and I know that more people than that listen to, but, like, I have to find, like, this very corny and maybe, like, like business speaks up, but, like, you have to find your why of it. Yeah. And for me, it's it's time that I spend with my friends talking about something uh, that I maybe wouldn't otherwise get to talk about and also hearing from people and their stories and learning about them. And like, that's, that's why I do it. And that's why it's fun. So I think having that and understanding why I'm participating in it and what my goal is and, and what I'm doing makes me feel less concerned about like, where's the show going overall? Like the show's going to go where the show's going to go. Right. It doesn't feel like it's up to me or any one person really, you know? Yeah. I feel like you guys have kind of reached a point where it's almost up to the listeners, you know, in a certain sense, they have no problem. Uh, it seems like letting you guys know if they like something, if they yeah. didn't, if they didn't like something, if they, <laughs> you know sure. what I mean? Or, um, oh, yeah. you know, and I think that's gratifying. And there, there, there's another aspect to that too. Um, you know, famously in, in Lord of the Rings, when Gandalf, I'm being a nerd here. I'm sorry. Uh, but I am one. So here we go. Uh, Gandalf, uh, grabs this like seeing crystal from one of the hobbits. And he's like, you never know who may be watching. Um, doing a podcast is very similar in that you never know who may be listening. Um, so has it been weird with having the knowledge that maybe people that were in the bands that you're talking about, um, or, you know, maybe even bands that are still active have actually heard the episodes and heard your commentary on on these albums? Yes, that is very weird. Uh, <laughs> that 
Uh, yeah, that part is weird. Um, I think that uh, when we started the podcast, one of the first things that we established was the idea of respectful disagreement. Um, and so I think that in most cases where something isn't like egregiously offensive, especially now, we tend to have more of a take of like, this is not for me, but that's okay. Um, and so with that, it feels a little, a little bit better knowing that someone might listen to it. That said, um, we are commenting on things oftentimes that are 20 years or more older. Um, we're listening to some things that it, it might have been, it would be like somebody going back and like commenting on something that I made or like a sketch that I wrote like 10 or more years ago and like dissecting it. It's weird. Like I, I feel weird doing that to somebody else's art or their process or something that like they may have loved or they may have thought was just like, Meh, whatever it was what we did then. Um, yeah, it makes you feel like a little bit of an asshole. And sometimes I think a little bit like, I definitely think like, who the fuck am I? Like, you know, like they're my, what I say a lot on the show and I mean, is like, I don't like it. I think they're fine. Like yeah. they'll be fine with me not liking it. They don't need me to like it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is kind of weird. I think, you know, that, but that's also the conceit of the show. That's what we're doing. So right. like, I've agreed to show up and do it. So I do, but it is in the back of my mind sometimes. Like someone could be listening to this who, you know, created it. But then I would also hope that they would be like, this is a, a person's opinion on a podcast. Like, yeah. you know, we're not like coming for their family or anything. No, I get <laughs> Just, you. Yeah. You know, and, and that question that I was going to circle back to um, earlier was, you know, and I think we've kind of been talking about this, but, uh, you know, what is it like whenever you do, you know, you mentioned that you felt like, you know, some of these, some of these people that email you guys and, and, and message you and they, they're, they're so much more into it um, than maybe you are, um, you know, what, is <laughs> What is that like as far as the whenever you're commentating? Is that something that you kind of keep in mind as you're going through it? Like, is there ever, are you ever worried that you might get something like dreadfully wrong and then like, oh no, here it is finally here on the podcast and now it can never be undone? Oh, I have been wrong so many times. Like, I, <laughs> I've been wrong. There was um, the first Deftones record we did. I guess we were saying the Deftones or Lauren was saying, someone was saying the Deftones. The Deftones, yeah. And we got an email from somebody who was so upset um, saying things like, I can't believe you're saying that your authorities on this, you're saying the Deftones and not Deftones, stuff like that. I get stuff wrong constantly. Um so yeah, at first, I think I was so worried about it that I would just research and research and research and like try to get it all right. And after a while, I was like, you know, it's okay to get things wrong. Like, it's fine. And I don't think there's ever been a, I mean, I think Lauren may refer to himself as the Dean of new metal. So maybe there's like some weighty expectation, like heavy <laughs> is the head that wears the crown there, but sure. 
Uh, certainly, Matt and I have never said in any way that we are experts on this subject matter. We just happen to be talking about this subject matter and have been for a long time. Um, so with that, you know, I think it's awesome that there are people who are way more into it than we are. There, Regardless of what you wind up getting involved, and there's going to be somebody who knows way more about it than you are, Um being the most knowledgeable about something does not necessarily make you, you know, the the best person to talk about it from every single angle. And, um, you know, if we were strictly a new metal history podcast, that might be a little bit different, but that's really not what we're doing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it can be a little bit intimidating and sometimes people do get really upset, but I mean, in my opinion, it's a pretty stupid thing to get upset about. And it's like, if you want to do, if you want to do a podcast about a specific band or about new metal or about something that is very similar to what we're doing, like, please do like there, it hasn't happened often, but every so often somebody will say like, I could do a way better job because I know so much more about this than you. Great. Do it. Yeah. It's like, cool. Cool. Maybe you are. Maybe you're so much better at this than we are, and you should do it. And that's that doesn't bother me. If you do something and it's great, then I may look at it and say, "Wow, this is so good." Uh, I may have a minute of being like, "Fuck, they're better than me." Oh, this sucks. But where I go very quickly is, "What can I learn from this? What about this is making me think it's better, so that I want to emulate it?" Or like, you know, so. Um, when I think about it in those terms, it's, it's, it doesn't freak me out as much as it, it might have a while back. Well, that person that says, you know, oh, I could do it better. I could do it better. Okay, dude. You know, or, you know, uh, just start a podcast and then deal with a year and a half of nobody listening to it. And then you asking yourself, like, why does anybody care? And then whenever you tell, whenever you try to tell people about it to get them to listen to it, they ban you from, from wherever you're, you know, self advertising, like, like go ahead, go through all of that and then continue to do a better job. Yeah. Yeah, I think like generally in the world, there are probably so many people who have the potential to do so many like amazing things. And it's really more about whether you do it or not. It's like you, you might, you might be the person that is just like the absolute best person to talk about new metal or football or whatever the fuck you're into. But like, if you're not doing it, then maybe you're not. Cause it's not just about having the knowledge. It's about like executing and having the commitment and like showing up. And that's really hard. It's, I think for most people that I know who show up repeatedly to do something like this, it can be very difficult, very difficult to have consistency and sustain. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, it is the most difficult, like, uh, it's no secret that like discography discussion has a lot, a a lot of trouble keeping co-hosts and it's probably just because me and Joe are impossible to work with. But I think, um, I think, I think having that passion, having that drive is, is really what will sustain you in the long run. Um, so after four years uh, of doing the podcast, are you guys, cause I noticed, um, in the most recent, not the most recent episode, but it was whenever you guys talked to, uh, about primer 55 and you had Joshua Toomey come on, uh, and talk about it as a member of the band. Um, first of all, that's awesome that you, that you have that opportunity. I know we're all buds with Toomey, so it's like an easy ask, you know, but like, 
um, have you guys been open to the possibility of doing something like that in the future with like maybe another band or just having or doing interviews on the show? Cause the only interviews that you guys ever did uh, on the show was uh, when you guys were at rock and pod, yeah. um, which is the last time we saw each other face to face. You know, has there ever been a, a consideration to kind of go more in interview sort of way? Because like you guys had never had never had an interview on an episode of Roach Coach. And I remember being like, oh, what's this going to be like? And I remember just kind of like sitting back, like kind of next to your table, listening to you guys interview. And I was like, oh, they're well, they're killing it. They could they could interview anybody and it would be it would be on brand. It would be cool. So like, have you guys thought about doing anything like that in the future to just kind of shake things up or? Um, I don't know about going to exclusively interview, but there were, there are a few people that we've talked about having on to talk either about a record or, I mean, there are a couple of people that we've talked about. If we could just talk to them, we would for any amount of time about anything that they'd allow us to. Wes um, Borland, you know. <laughs> yes, so, yeah. specifically Wes is who I'm talking about. Um, yes, he's our whatever. What is that? I want to say like our white whale, but I don't even know what that fucking means. Oh, no. White whale is <laughs> white whale is. It's so funny, too, because like I li- on, on that note and I'm sorry that I know the podcast isn't about me, but it's. Um, I listened to such underground music cause I thought I was cool. Kind of like what we were talking about earlier, dude, I launched all of my white way. I got, I, I landed all of my white whales so quickly when the show started, but they were bands that nobody cared about. <laughs> so it was one of those, one of those weird things. Like, I don't care. I don't, re- I don't regret the experience at all. Like it was yeah. just as awesome as I imagined it would be, you know, but, um, yeah, I so, see, you know, West Borland and you guys had at rock and pod, you guys talked to Toby Wright too. Yeah, and that was awesome. Um, and we got to talk to Tom Hazert, who was, I had no idea what to expect. It was absolutely incredible. Like, he's somebody that ha- he'll like reach out to us now and again and just like say, hey, um, which is super nice. Um, and so he's somebody that we've talked about. Like, maybe we could talk to him because that dude was just full of stories. Um, yeah, I think, I think that we would definitely be open to um, bringing people in more and more over time. Cause I mean, especially when we start getting kind of into like the depths of this list, there are a lot of surprises, but there are also a lot of albums that are just like kind of okay. Yeah. The reason that we haven't like heard of them or they're not better known is because they're just kind of okay. Um, and so I think like mixing in, um, you know, interviews or, or having a member of the band come in to come on something. We've also had like friends of ours who are really connected to certain records or huge fans of certain bands come on and talk about that too. Like those are always fun things to do. Um, I don't know that we would become like a fully interview format show ever, but um, that's sort of like people listen and that's really cool, but we're not, (laughs) beholden to anything or any expectation on any like really large scale. So we have the flexibility to kind of do whatever we want, which is also super fun and cool. So no, that's, that's cool. I think it's, I think it's fun. Um, I think it's fun to, to kind of explore because I, I, and I tell Lauren this all the time is that, you know, when you guys do the theme months and stuff, I enjoy those a lot because I I don't listen to exclusively new metal, which I mean, probably most people don't, right? Like right. there's people that like really <laughs> love it, but like even people that are huge fans of a certain genre, don't just listen to that genre. Um, 
so I thought I think the theme months are cool. I think you guys, while keeping it in the same vein as the normal show, being able to talk about an at the drive-in record or you know, or famously that glass jaw record, um, you know, like mm-hmm. is is really cool because I always joke with Lauren that I was like, I could listen to you guys talk about anything because you guys have that you guys have that um connection. There's probably a word for it, but that was probably like a beer ago that I could have thought of that word. But <laughs> sure. um you guys have very good chemistry as far as as far as bouncing back and forth off of each other. And do you think that that maybe is just because you guys all come from a performance back, like a stage performance background that, that you guys are able to kind of have that? Cause I just feel, and of course maybe these are all just edited out, but I don't ever, I don't ever hear a lot of like weird, awkward moments or like dead pauses. There, there aren't a lot of those. Um, Lauren does edit the podcast. I, I'll let him, I would let him speak to how much he edits out. I don't really know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there is an element of that that because especially the type of performance we're doing is essentially um, having a very loose idea of what might be happening around you on a stage and then just listening and responding to the people around you. And with something like improv, the longer you perform with a group of people, the better you get to know them, the more you can kind of anticipate where they might go or better understand like their their train of thought. Um, and so, you know, we've been doing this for quite a while now on top of, you know, being used to performing together somewhat. We haven't really done that in a very long time, but I do think it makes a difference for sure. Um, yeah, it's because that's like the, the crux of improvising really is just like listening to what somebody says and then responding to it. That's that's like 101 stuff. Uh, accepting what is being said and responding to it. So I think that that is also something that makes conversation free-flowing or or makes it a lot easier to keep a conversation going. So I have one last question that uh, we we made it an hour. We did it. That's awesome. We did it. Yeah. Good for us. <laughs> yeah. I'm proud. I'm proud of us. I'm glad that I didn't spend like 30 of the 30 of the 60 minutes talking myself. So that's all. <laughs> um, we've, we've definitely had interviews like that. It's, uh, but the uh, <laughs> the the last question I had is you guys have done something unique something something that I've always wanted to do uh, with my show but like I'm way too terrified to even attempt it uh, which is uh, live shows you guys have done a number of of shows where it's just the podcast but you have an audience mm-hmm. um, what what is the dynamic of that versus you know basically like what we're doing now is just sitting, you know, comfortably in our homes and, and there's no pressure and there's editing and all of that. Uh, well, I mean, there's definitely a part of me that feels a little bit more pressure to entertain people because they're right in front of you. But I also think that that makes us perform a little better or a little bit more entertaining, not better. Okay. I won't say better, but it makes us perform differently because there are people in front of us. And, you know, depending on the live show that we've done, it has been anywhere from like a pretty decent audience of people inside a theater space that is very appropriate for what we're doing to being in a weird room in uh in a city outside of Detroit and there are five people there 
uh, to listen to us and we know them. So yeah. we know them either because they're listeners and they've come to lots of stuff or like they are my husband and sure. his friend who listens. So, um, I don't know. It's, I think we try to format those either to be albums that, uh, are very popular and lots of people would have a lot to like think about or respond to and us talking about them. Um, or keeping them to things that are like easier to interact with in person or keeping things like snappy and, and not so much of like the kind of wandering that we'll do on the show and like meandering into things. Um, I think also because all three of us are very used to performing on stage or in front of people, um, that doesn't feel scary. I think it feels like a little bit more pressure because somebody's coming to like, li- like listen and watch us do a podcast, but in terms of just being in front of people, I, I don't know. It's fine. Like you eat shit so much when you start doing comedy, like, like profoundly repeatedly over and over. And you just keep getting back up and doing it again and again. And after a while, maybe that's why it doesn't feel so scary to give my opinion on the show or to get something wrong on the show. Because like after you eat shit in that way in front of people so many times, you just get over it. You're like, okay, it's fine. I'm not dead. Like right. maybe emotionally a little bit, like maybe some of my ego is very dead, but like, whatever, fuck it. It's fine. Like, I don't, I don't care anymore. Um, what about, I know that this is your show where you're, you're interviewing me, but I am curious, like, what about doing your show live terrifies you? Um, I, so I always very much undersell what we do. Um, our show, I, and I don't want to say that our show is unfocused necessarily. I mean, we do discography discussion. That's our main show. We pick a band. We talk about all their records. It's pretty straightforward. Um, except EPs. I don't give a shit about EPs. Um, but the, but yeah, it's rough, (laughs) but like, I guess my worry is just that like, no one's going to show up because like, we don't have like, we don't really have like a comedy club that would take us in because we're not necessarily comedy, you know, like we can be that like, like I think we're funny, but we're not like comedians, you know? Right. Um, so I, I would worry that, I guess I worry more that just like number, nobody would show up. And like, if we did it, I would have to book the club myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and that I would have to like facilitate all this. And like, we have local listeners. Like I, um, but it's, I'm always like, is it going to be enough? And it's not that I like am so full of myself that I think that we're not going to like, like, I don't expect like 500 people to show up or, or something like that. Um, but you know, and I, and I would be for fine performing in front of 10 people, but I guess my worry has always just been that like, I'm going to like freeze up and clam up. And it's weird. Cause like I've played in bands, like I've sang in bands and never worried about that. Never had stage fright. Um, I was in plays only in high school, but like, and I was never worried about that. But for some reason, because I'm talking about something that I'm deeply passionate about, I worry that like, I'm not going to be able to fall back on Joe to fix it. <laughs> you know, if I screw yeah. up, you know, yeah. cause, and cause he does, Joe makes me sound way better than I, than, than, than I really am, you know? And <laughs> so that, uh, that that's just kind of a crutch that I rely on. So yeah, that, that, that is, that is really my main fear is that no one's going to show up. I'm going to put out a whole bunch of money for it and no one's going to show up and, um, that it's going to be, you know, some sort of, some sort of huge disaster where 
I'm going to misspeak. And it's really weird. It's really weird to have those type of fears considering like you've been doing podcasts for four years. I've been doing podcasts for about three, you know? So like, it's, it shouldn't be a problem at this point, but it's just kind of just a personal, like, um, hurdle that I have to get over, you know, where I, I worry that like, I'm going to screw up or I'm going to say something really dumb because like all those questions that I asked you, uh, throughout this interview are, the type of questions that I would, that, that I would ask myself if I was interviewing myself, like in that, and like a lot of the answers, like me, the answer is always just, well, I'm just scared that, you know, people are going to hate it. <laughs> you yeah. know, even after all yeah. this time, after, after all the episode, like we're coming up on episode 200 now on discography discussion. And we've been doing Congrats. this, we've been doing this episode. We've been doing this, uh, side podcast. I guess it's a side podcast. Um, where we interview people and I've just always worried that eventually like just the bottom will fall out. And then I'm going to say something like really dumb and that nobody is going to want to listen to it. Well, so that that's yeah, a lot to unpack. That. <laughs> that's a lot to unpack. Uh, well, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It's an unfamiliar thing. You clearly care a whole lot about it. Um, it's a lot of pressure, but I will say this. Uh, I think in anything that anybody tries to do that is new, you're probably going to fuck something up. Like I have. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to say something wrong. You're not going to be able to figure it out. And like, you've been doing this show for a long time. And I, I know that editing helps. Editing helps everybody. But the truth is that like, you can't, okay. I won't say you can't, it would be very, very, very difficult to take somebody who's absolutely awful at the thing that they're doing and, and make them sound so good. So like, you know, maybe give yourself a little grace, like, and if you misspeak in front of a crowd of people or 10 people or three people that show up to listen to you do a thing and it's the first or second or third or whatever time you've done it, like it will probably feel like shit for a minute. And then it will fade into obscurity unless what you have said is absolutely egregiously offensive. Well, I know I said my last question was the last question, but I have another kind of interesting tidbit to throw in here. Um, on that note. So you guys, you know, uh, in the midst of, of protests uh, against the, uh, 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 you know, not, no, you guys weren't protesting against you guys basically had a week of silence um, in, in regards to the black lives matter movement and, and all of that. And it's funny because when you guys did that, I remember talking to Lauren, I sent him a message. I was totally bummed. I was like, what? No new road coach this week. You know, like I was all like, come on, man. You know? And yeah. uh, he's, he's like, no, he goes, I just think that there's other voices that need to be heard. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. You know? <laughs> and yeah. uh, I was like, I hope nobody thinks I'm an asshole. Cause like, I'm going to drop an episode in about 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and uh, it was with Brock Lindau of 36 crazy fists. That was a nerve wracking interview. Um, but, but the, uh, the funny thing was that uh, not funny, but like you guys took a, t- took a very decided stance on that issue, which is honestly, let's be, let's be real here. It's the only stance to take. Um, but that, that plays into the fear too, for me, because I've, I've been very like, I've had people ask me like, what do you think about all this? When are you guys going to do a podcast addressing this? And it's been really scary in, in reference to what you said about like, unless you say something egregiously offensive, 
now I'm terrified to say something because I'm afraid I'm going to get it wrong. Yeah. Um, I get that. Uh, I, I was afraid that we all, we agreed that we should say something. Um, I wrote what we said. And so I was worried about getting it wrong too. Um, but I think specifically when it comes to things like systemic racism, uh, people, black people specifically being like murdered by police, uh, and just like that, you know, the brutality and violence and everything that goes along with it. Um, I think that it just came for me, things came to a point where it became clear to me that I no longer felt like I, I couldn't say something about it or I couldn't speak on it. Um, and I go into that with the full knowledge that I'm going to get a lot wrong and that I have a lot to learn and that, you know, um, it felt, I don't know, it, it, it felt sort of weird to take that stance on our podcast or, or to use our, our time in that way, because, you know, we talk about new metal and we joke around a lot, but at the same time, if it felt important to us that, you know, if there are people who listen, um, it doesn't feel right to not say something or not take a stand or not suggest maybe using the four hours of your life you might spend listening to us every week. <laughs> it's not that long. Something else. But I mean, that is, that is kind of the thing. Like if you're going to, if you're going to take a stand on something, if you're going to say something, then, then you might get it wrong. Um, and even in cases where people have said like egregiously, I, I must have stock on the word egregious. I keep saying it, but when people have said like very offensive things, like, and learned, then I think, you know, there's room for that growth and all of that too. Um, so it, there is a there is an element of putting yourself on the line to doing anything that you care about or saying something that you care about. I mean, there was somebody who got like real pissed that we did that and was like, "Fuck this virtue signaling! I'm not listening anymore." And to All right, me, bye. <laughs> that's I was like, "Cool, like don't listen to this free podcast that we've been doing for free for four. Like, please go. It's cost um, us money, but you get it for free. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like and." The, I really do care about putting together a good show and I really do care and appreciate the people who listen to us. But it, there is also like, I don't know. I just, I'm not really, one of the things that I will say for all of us is that none of us, I don't think have compromised like anything that we really care about or that, that we love to like kind of toe the line of the show. Like, you know, Matt is very religious and that comes up on the show and he talks about it some. Um, obviously, if anybody's ever heard me, I have a thousand hot takes and and Lauren does too. And to not say something or try something or whatever, anything that we try or anything that we do, to not do that just because like we're afraid that someone might not like it, it just doesn't feel worth it to me because someone might like it. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just like rambling at this point. Well, no, it's cool though, because like when you make a stance like that, um, and I haven't had the guts to make us, well, I mean, you kind of are right. I am now. doing it right now. Yeah. So hopefully Joe doesn't cut all this out of the podcast, but, um, you know, when I, on my other podcast, brutally speaking, I went on a pretty big rampage, um, 
a couple episodes ago about it, which is funny because we didn't really get like too much blowback from that. But uh, it was definitely a, I felt so bad for John because I started just going on and on and on and on and on. And he just sat there like staring at me for like 10 minutes, like awkwardly. But um, it's definitely kind of one of those things where I feel like doing the episode of doing the episode of silence it was it was probably one of the um for lack of a better term ballsiest moves that you guys could have made besides not putting the first corn album in the canon um <laughs> those are our two hottest stances <laughs> two hottest takes i'll take it but um you know i think you know this, this is the cheesy part of the episode where i think i i just because I get the opportunity to talk to you guys. I talk to Lauren like every day. Like it's probably really annoying for him, but um, like it's, it's, it's nice being able to just say that like you guys were a huge influence um, on me uh, as far as being a podcaster. And now when we started discography discussion, I'd never listened to a single episode of Roach coach, but what was funny is we, <laughs> once I started listening to the show, um, I remember Joe had to like make a, list of like band phrases of like stuff that I'm not allowed to say because I'd started listening to the show pretty religiously. And, um, I started reusing your guys's terminology, not consciously. I wasn't like, I'm going to steal from roach coach right now. Uh, it was really just more of like a, you know, we'd start, <laughs> I'd start throwing, I'd start throwing words out. Like, you know, um, <laughs> I, I, I kept I kept being like, yeah, man, th th this song is like a real pit activator. And then, once Joe got wise to like where that came from, he was like, dude, you can't just say that on our show. Like it's, you know, and I was like, whatever, man, uh, I, did I say that? I didn't even know if I, I said that. And it, it, it turned into kind of this, one of those, like, dude, you, we've got our thing going on over here. They've got their thing going on over here. Don't, don't mix it up. Uh, <laughs> but, oh, yeah. Um, you can, you can say pit activator. Well, I give you permission. Well, <laughs> whatever. When this posts, like you'll be listening back to it and it'll be like, I say it and then it like beeps out or whatever <laughs> in the edit. But, um, but it, you guys had that profound of an effect on me where I started kind of changing the way that I approached albums. Um, I was super gatekeepy when we first started, I was like, no new metal bands, you know, metal fans don't like new metal. And now we do new metal may every year, you know, and we do, you know, a, a lot of stuff like that. Um, but you guys had a very profound impact because I liked your guys's focus on commentary, like hardcore commentary on the records, as well as a kind of a focus on comedy as well to where it was like, they're going to say some really harsh stuff, but you're going to feel good about it. <laughs> you know, whenever you're done. Yeah. Um, so you guys had a very profound effect on me and I, I just wanted to just say you guys, you, you guys are killing it. And I, I hope that this interview gets more people listening to you guys and um you know it, it's definitely been a really cool journey for you guys and i really appreciate what you guys have done and that you've stuck with it well thank you that's that's super super kind and i really appreciate it um yeah i don't i'm just gonna i'm just gonna let that let that sink in it's super cheese <laughs> but that's what we do here so. no that's i love it i love that um yeah I appreciate that. And uh, something I thought of when we were talking about uh, our episode of silence and also kind of like the, the take on corn is like, or any takes that we have on this, or like when you asked me earlier about like, what does it feel like to be learning and also speaking on something like uh, 
um, specifically about the episode of silence and talking about like uh, anything that has to do with race. Like the reason that it felt important to talk about that is because like through fucking up and learning, that's how I got to like why, where my opinion is now. It was not always like that. Uh, When I look back on how I felt about things when I was younger, it's a little cringe for me or a lot of cringe for me, but uh, things were brought to my attention and I learned things and I changed my opinion and I grew. And like talking about things that I might not know as much about as other people speaking about new metal um, and learning and then getting feedback from people and learning from it. I hope that that's something that people take is like, don't be afraid to like make a mistake or like, if you want to talk about something, do your research, but talk about it. And like, don't be so beholden to being an expert or like having feeling like you have to know every single thing about something to talk about something that means a lot to you or something that you care about. Um, Cause you really, the expectation isn't that you're like, I don't know, perfect. You don't have to be like, pro level at everything to attempt it right um like i don't know that just feels important to me and is i i hope something that if people don't take directly then like maybe by like osmosis they absorb by our relative inexpertise at times (laughs) there you go oh that's awesome well jenny thank you so much for taking the time out to talk tonight and i think this is going to be good um i know that our shows definitely share a lot of listeners so um, these, these kind of crossover episodes are, you know, they, they, they love that stuff, you know? And, awesome. uh, so, uh, I hope, uh, I hope you guys got a lot out of this and, um, we will, uh, catch you next time on discuss metal.